Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and you can tell by the lack of music and just the lack of another voice on the show that it is just me again. It is, it seems like the holiday season, the Christmas and New Year season, every year gets a little tighter schedule-wise, and so it's hard to connect sometimes with other people that have tight schedules, so Ben and I will be hopefully back in action together next week. So for now, I'm going to hold down the fort and get into the episode. Before that, though, I just kind of wanted to give an update from the last episode where I talked about being prepared or preparedness. And I wanted to give an example uh, from this past week of how I was both prepared and another example where I wish I would have been better prepared. So this past week, uh, my daughter hurt her head and she had to get stitches. And we were at my in-law's house and I didn't go down there thinking I would need to go anywhere or do anything other than go to their house and then come back to our house. And so we had to leave very unexpectedly to go to the emergency room and get my daughter some stitches. And our gas tank had enough gas in it to get us there and back. Now, it might not seem like a big deal to stop for gas for three or four or five minutes to fill your tank and all that stuff while you're waiting to get your daughter's head stitched up. But had we had to stop for gas along the way, it would have been a further delay and would have meant further wait and it would have meant she would have been in more discomfort. So the fact that you know, we try to keep our gas tanks with a you know, quarter tank or more in the car, generally, at least I try to, um, I'm not always perfect at that, but that's my goal so that if something unexpected would happen, like I would get stuck in traffic or like in this case, I just have to go somewhere very unexpectedly, then we have enough gas in the tank to get there and back. So that was a way in which I was prepared and preparedness paid off so that we were able to just pick up, leave, go, and not have to worry about anything. Just get to the ER, get my daughter treated, and get home. However, same scenario with a gas tank, but not stitches again. So we were going to be going somewhere else. And on the way home from the ER, I was like, okay, well, let's just go on home. The gas tank's getting closer to empty because we had to drive on a quarter tank. And so I was like, I will fill up when we go to the next place we're going to go, which was in two days. We weren't going to go anywhere for two days. And I was like, let's do this. I will fill up the tank. I will be responsible. Well, I ended up being sick. And so my wife had to fill up the tank on the way to somewhere where she was driving. And so I feel like, you know, I had the opportunity to take care of that and to be prepared and to discharge that responsibility. And I didn't do it because I thought I could do it later. And so I wasn't prepared. And so because of that, my wife had to pick up my slack and fill up the tank. And it might not be a big deal, but to me, it was like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm talking about being prepared and I was prepared in this scenario. And then a couple of days later, I had a failure there. So just a, a win and a loss, you know, so I feel like I broke even on that one, but I feel like it shows the good of being prepared. And then sometimes when you're not prepared that someone else has to deal with the fallout from that. All right, well, why don't we get into the passage of the week this week? And this is in Psalm chapter 90, verses 1 and 2. And this is a prayer of Moses. It says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. That's the title of the psalm. And it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And I really, I like this passage for several reasons, but mostly why I like this passage is because 
it reminds us that we are temporary. And, you know, we think sometimes that, yes, God has been around for a long time and our minds cannot grasp, I'm convinced, our minds cannot grasp the concept of eternity. But this says from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So it reminds us that God hasn't just been around for a long time, that God is timeless, God is eternal, and we are so finite that our lifespan to him, it's so tiny, it's inconceivably small. So he has been around from everlasting to everlasting, and he has brought about his will throughout all that time. So God is so significant and is all-powerful. He's eternal, omniscient, omnipresent, and we're not. So that's why we rely on him. And by the way, the very next verse, which I didn't read, I'm going to go ahead and read now. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. I'm going to read one more. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. So Moses is showing the difference between man and God. And I think it's very good sometimes to reflect on that, because I think in our flesh sometimes we make ourselves more important or greater than we are, which takes us away from relying on God like we should. So this is a good perspective reset to say, God is great. We are not. God is powerful. We are not. God is eternal. We are not. Therefore, we must rely on him and submit to his authority. So I, I really like this passage, Psalm 90. And I think another reason why it's cool is that it's a psalm, it's a prayer of Moses. So we have a lot of psalms of David. We have some untitled psalms. You know, we have psalms from the sons of Korah. And we have a psalm here, a prayer of Moses, which I think is cool that it's included in the book of Psalms. All right, so we're going to get into the topic this week, which is a topic that was a listener request. So I want to make sure I do this justice. And it is on the topic of how should we pray? So this is something that I think about actually rather frequently. And when I was in my undergrad, which I, I have a pastoral ministries degree in undergrad, and when I was an undergrad, this is something that one of my college professors first got me started thinking about because when I used to pray, when I was younger, before my professor got me started thinking about this, I just prayed for things that I wanted. And I, we're not told not to do that. In fact, we're told to bring our requests before God. But I almost viewed God as kind of like a, a request giver, which he can grant our request. But some people view God as like, okay, I come to God, I ask for this, and God gives it to me. And sometimes that is the case, but that was like the only way I viewed prayers. Like, I'm asking for this, I'm asking for this, I'm asking for this. And he had us pray different ways. So as part of our class, for several classes, we would pray together as a class. And for one of our prayers, it was a time where we were supposed to focus on just thanking God. Period. Just thanking God. Not asking for anything but just bringing our thanks to God. And, you know, that wasn't something I had really done much before. I mean, I was thankful for the things that God has given me, and I thanked God sometimes for them. You know, I thanked God for my food when I prayed for my meals, but it wasn't something that I really often brought before the Lord of thanking Him. And when you look at the Psalms, 
some of the Psalms are just praising or thanking God. A lot of them praise or thank God for the things that he has done in the past or thanking God in trust for the things that he will do in the future. And so as I kind of processed this, it took me, I think about a year to process through this concept of a prayer of thankfulness instead of just praying for things, thanking God for what he's done, for who he is, and for all the good things that we have. And in light of, it was a few episodes ago, I talked about, I think, Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is not forgetting the Lord. And we're told to bless God or thank God for the good things that he's given us so that we don't forget him. And so this concept of thankfulness kind of kept coming back to me and coming back to me and coming back to me. And I actually, for me, it changed the way that I prayed. But before I kind of unpack that a little more, I want to get to one of the most important passages, I think, in how we should pray. And we've talked about this very briefly on the show, but I kind of want to develop this a little more. And it's the Lord's Prayer is how most people call it. And I've heard some people call it the Apostles' Prayer because they're taught how to pray. This then is how you should pray, is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So just before this, Jesus is instructing on prayer. So this is the prayer he tells them, like, you should pray in this manner or in this fashion. And before this, there are a few verses before this, he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So some people... And I think this can be a temptation with public prayer sometimes. That I think public prayer is a great thing. But the temptation, I think, sometimes with public prayer is the focus is on how do I sound to others and not so much on what am I bringing before the Father with this. So Jesus is saying, don't, don't do that. Don't just pray to be heard, right? If you do just pray to be heard, that's your reward. You've been heard. But when you pray... Go into your room. This is verse six now, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So he's saying, don't pray out in public just to be heard. When you pray, pray in private. It's between you and God, and God's going to see what's done in private, and then he'll reward you. And I like this part, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. I know I just read this, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So I think sometimes we're guilty of this too, where we just pray and pray, and pray, and pray with many words without really trusting that God knows and will hear and will grant. 
Now, it's interesting because we're also told to persist in prayer, to come back to God continually with prayer. But a lot of times if you hear people pray, I think sometimes I fall into the trap too. Sometimes we're just pray and I, I keep talking and talking and talking and there's nothing wrong with continually talking to God. But if I think because I'm saying a lot, God's going to hear me. I've missed the point of prayer. The point isn't how much I say. The point is trusting that I've taken my prayer to the Father and knowing that he hears and trusting that he'll give what is good. It may not be what I think is good, but he'll give what is good. So Jesus says then, don't be like the pagans who just babble and think because they say a bunch of stuff, they're going to get what they want. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So in the prayer, here's, here's the pattern I see here is there's the acknowledgement that God is holy. First of all, God is father. So we submit to our father. He's above us. We're coming to him. He's our father. We're acknowledging he's holy. We're praying that his kingdom, not my kingdom, his kingdom come, his will be done, not my will. And sometimes his will and my will are not in alignment. So I'm praying, not my will, but your will on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm acknowledging God is Father, God is holy, his kingdom matters, his will matters. And it should be as in heaven his will is done, which it's done immediately, it should be done on earth. Give us today our daily bread. So it's the trust that what I need today, God is going to give to me, that he knows what I need and he's going to give me what I need. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I think this is a really important one. And I could go into other passages about husbands and wives in prayer. Like if we don't forgive others, we're saying forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we should come into that prayer with trepidation. Because if we're not very forgiving, we're saying, hey, God, forgive me like I forgive other people. If we're not very forgiving, we're asking God to forgive like we forgive. So it's a check on how am I doing with acting like Christ would act as far as forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so there's a recognition, first of all, that temptation is out there, but that God is our leader where we go. He leads us where we go as far as we will either come into temptation through his hand and he'll deliver us through his hand or he'll lead us not into temptation through his hand. God directs our steps and then he's the one who delivers us from the evil one. We can't do that on our own. So we're recognizing that it's him who delivers us. So we're praying this way. That's how we're taught to pray. Now we're also told to bring our requests, our prayers, our supplications before the Lord. We're told to pray for those in authority we're told to pray continually. We're told to pray for the saints, right? So we're told to pray for others as well. And so it's very interesting to me that like there are other forms of prayer, but the general base form is we recognize who God is. We recognize his kingdom is the most important thing. His will is the most important thing. We recognize he's going to give us what we need. We recognize that we need to be forgiving because he is forgiving. And we need to recognize that he's the one 
that fights the spiritual battles for us and through us. And that, yes, we have something to do with that. I'm not entirely sure what that is because we're told by Paul to basically to try to work, try to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who wills and works in you, right? <laughs> so work out your own salvation in fear and trembling for it's God who works in you. So it's like both, but I'm not going to touch that one right now. When Ben's back, we'll have that conversation about sovereignty, which I think we both line up on. But we're told basically, this is the way we should pray. So what does that look like practically? I don't think it looks like practically we should all pray the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. I think sometimes we should pray the Lord's Prayer. But I see this as a pattern where we recognize the things that we need, God knows. And it's okay to ask for them. But recognizing that more than that, we need to recognize in our prayers who God is. We need to recognize the significance of his kingdom. We need to recognize he knows what we need. And then recognize that he is in control of our spiritual life as far as the temptation that we'll face. And we need to ask for deliverance. Beyond that, I want to jump now into thankfulness. And I see this in the Psalms where... And I see this also as a pattern in Deuteronomy chapter 8. My prayer life has changed a lot from asking God for a lot of things to thanking God for a lot of things. And I'm not saying that's the only way to pray. But when I ask God for things, oftentimes I'm asking God for things that for other people, like someone is sick, I ask God to work his will in their life. And if it's his will that they'll recover. If I pray about world events, I ask that God's will come to pass in that. Right, So I'm praying God's will for those situations. And sometimes, like when my children are sick, I pray that God will make them better. But generally speaking, a lot of times when I pray, I'm praying a prayer of thankfulness for who God is, for what God has done in my life, for all the good things he's given me. And just generally speaking, most of my prayers are thankful prayers as opposed to request-based prayers now. So the way I pray has changed over the years. And I think when I look at how Jesus is praying here. Now, we, we actually do have an example, by the way, of Jesus praying in John. So it's, I'm actually flipping there right now. So we can see a few times how Jesus has prayed, but this is a very lengthy prayer of Jesus in John here. And he's going to pray for other people. So when Jesus is praying, he's praying that God will help them. He's praying that God will work in them. And he's praying basically on behalf of them to the Father. And I think that that's a super cool example that we see with Jesus praying and the prayer of Christ in John. So let me see here if I've arrived. Here we go. So Jesus is praying. He says in John chapter 17, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Right? So he's praying. This is in John chapter 17. It's part of verse 1. And he's praying that God will be glorified. Then Jesus prays for his disciples specifically. So as he's praying for his disciples, he says, I've revealed to you those whom you gave to to me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. 
So he goes on and he prays for them. He says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. So he's thanking, he's basically saying to God what has happened. And he says in verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that you not take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So Jesus is praying that the father will protect the disciples from the evil one. And now he's going to pray for all believers. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. This is in verse 20. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through the disciples' message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. So Jesus is praying for other people that God will glorify himself through them and that God will make us unified and that God will bring us with Christ someday. So it's interesting to hear Jesus' prayers. He is making requests, but those requests are all in line with the will of the Father and to glorify the Father. So I think the general pattern when we pray, as men especially, as heads of our households, we should pray for wisdom that God make us good leaders and God help us as we lead our families or in any other capacity we lead, that we should pray that God do that. And that's recognizing we, we can't do it on our own, that God has given us gifts and talents, sure, but to do it the right way, we need God's help with that. I think, secondly, we should pray for God's will to come about and for God to be glorified through us and through others that he brings into our path. And I think we should pray prayers of thanksgiving. Now, it is abundantly clear in Scripture that we're supposed to pray very frequently and pray for our leaders, pray for our church leaders, pray for the persecuted. And I think that those are all great things. But the general pattern of prayer is acknowledgement of who God is. Like even if, when you see Jesus, he's acknowledging who God is, right? So acknowledging who God is, praying his will be done, recognizing he knows what we need. And then also asking for help in the realm of temptation and facing evil because we can't do it on our own. So we should be praying for God's will, not our will. And that may be a hard thing. And... I don't know if I've clarified the subject any, but pray, ultimately pray that God will help us to pray the right way. And I think one of the cool things in scripture is that we're told that the Holy Spirit works in us and prays, intercedes with us with groanings, intercedes for us with groanings that we can't understand. So even when we don't know how to pray, God is still helping us through the Holy Spirit to be able to pray, even though we don't know what we should pray. By the way, that comes from Romans chapter 8. I'll just I'll close out by reading this. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So, if you don't know how to pray, God will teach you. God will show you over time if you ask him, right? But even if you're like, I really don't know what to pray about this, the Spirit is interceding and God knows. That's that's how cool God is and that's how much God loves us, that even when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know. So that to me is just mind-blowing how that works. I'm, I'm even tentative to even look into how that works because I know I won't understand it. But it's so cool how the Holy Spirit helps us and how God sent the Holy Spirit to help us. So how should you pray? I think the pattern of the Lord's Prayer is a great way to go. And I also think we should be praying more prayers of thanksgiving, which I think I touched on a, a few episodes ago. All right, so I'm going to close with that. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I really, pre- really appreciate the listeners. And as we're coming into the new year, I appreciate those of you that have, you know, have joined us recently and those that have been longtime listeners appreciate you all. Um, if you like the show, feel free to write a written review. And if you want to support the show, thanks again to our supporters. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to headofnations.com and click the support tab. And just want to remind us all as we're heading to the new year, remember, we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.